Hey guys, I'm Mark Potter. Welcome to another episode of Brushstrokes, a podcast powered by Canvas Magazine. Guys, today's episode is brought to you by my friends at America's Print Show. August 17th to the 19th in Columbus, Ohio, is this new, authentic, sincere trade show for our our wonderful industry. America's Print Show 2022 is going to be an exciting three-day industry event. It's focused on building connections, which is what we're all about, and, and certainly inspiring growth in the print and graphics in, in industry. APS 22 will bring together regional and national associations representing more than 5,000 companies, along with commercial printers, screen and garment producers, large format and sign printers, binderies and graphic finishers, and industry suppliers. They got like over 200,000 square feet of exhibitor floor, and they got a content track that is, I think, going to be inspirational. I think it's going to be cathartic in some way. We're, people are going to come in and we're going to learn and they're going to connect with one another. They're going to learn from one another. Yours truly is actually presenting there. And not that that's a selling point, but I certainly am super excited about supporting this endeavor. I think a level of sincerity has been needed in this industry. And you know that's what our industry is all about. So you, you need to step up and sign up for America's Print Show. Go to americasprintshow.com. It, again, it's August 17th and 19th in Columbus, Ohio. Beautiful con- convention center. Really uh, great restaurants and area. The weather will be great, so uh, don't miss it. It's it's going to be a, uh, a a super event. And I'm, I'm proud that they're sponsoring this, this podcast today because this is all about how to make a difference in your life. Today's guest is going to talk to us a little bit about having positive influence over people, how to create some valuable personal and strategic relationships through business networking, and kind of inspire us and remind us of what's important. My guest, Gary C. Laney, is the author of The Power of Strategic Influence, 10 Success Factors of Highly Influential Leaders. It's a powerful pretty easy to read book. I love the fact that not only does he write, but he has some people that act as case studies or examples for what he's talking about. I think you'll get a kick out of that. But he essentially reveals some secrets and maybe some things that aren't so secretive about building and using your personal influence, your sphere of influence to create success. He was inspired by the likes of Stephen Covey and has taken that to another level. I love this conversation because it's all about relationships. And while that may not be new, in this day and age of technology and connectivity, it's probably pretty important to remember that relationships are still critically important to your success. And it's a bit cathartic, right, to remind us of that. So I think that you're going to love the fact that... uh, Gary really connects with who we are as an industry in that respect. You know, Gary has been a serial entrepreneur. He has run huge selling organizations. He's been involved in business networking, online media, e-commerce, publishing. He's regarded as a pretty crazy dynamic speaker and top presenter. And like I said, he's run 
huge corporate high-tech and commercial publishing organizations. So he's kind of not only from here, but he's also from the sales side and he knows kind of what makes us all tick. So I think, again, you'll you'll love hearing from um, Gary C. Laney, the author of The Power of Strategic Influence. And without further ado, give it a listen. But I, I just can't thank you enough for for taking some time and and to share. Obviously, you know your contribution to um, when we asked you that did the Q and A with you that was fantastic. Uh, we'll obviously get you copies of all that. So um, well, I appreciate that. Yeah. So so uh, you know, let me jump in and ask you what what prompted you to write this book. Um. <laughs> Well, it's more of a more of a situation than anything. I've been wanting to write a book for 15 years. Yep. I mean, I've got five different books I want to write. I've written one, and I've I did a I was a co-author of another, and I've got a second edition coming out. But really, it came down to uh, COVID. I had some time. My business, uh, I sold a business during COVID, and I I was doing a startup, and it just wouldn't happen because it was event driven, and um, and I had some inspiration. My wife. My daughter and my granddaughter were all writing books. Really? Yeah. So, in fact, uh, my granddaughter, she she always gets tickled, you know, when I show her books. She's written two books. She did this one when she was 17, uh, your oh, daughter's right. age. Yeah. And then, and then she's writing another one that's uh, that's great. So I, I, I just had this time and I said, wow, I, you guys mind, you girls mind if I jump in and try to follow your lead a little bit? And they said, sure, here's what we do. And I said, well, how? And they, I said, well, I've got ideas. I've got things I want to write about. But my wife says, no, I just start writing. Don't think about it. Just, just get it on paper. It'll come together. Right. So I really didn't think I would do anything, if you, if you want to know the truth. I thought I would maybe <laughs> get a chapter out. And uh, I thought, you know, I, I heard these horror stories. It takes three, four years to write a book, then two more years to publish it. And I've been in commercial publishing for 10 years. So we should talk about that at some point. Yeah. Um, so, but, you know, once I got it down, I got a researcher, I got a series, about it. I got a researcher editor that got involved with me and we tried a chapter and it, and it just wasn't going the direction I wanted to. And so I, I stood up all night one night and nailed what I called a, a, a TOC roadmap is a table of contents roadmap. And it just came together. And so all of a sudden I had these 12 chapters that seemed to seamlessly work together because it was a progressive kind of track. Right. And people ask me, well, why did you write the book the way you wrote it? I, it was because it's the way it happened in my life. I learned influence in these 12 steps that I talk about. Well, so anyway, just to answer your question, um, I've always wanted to get it out of my system. I've been teaching influence concepts uh, for 35 years. Stephen Covey was a mentor back in the late uh, 70s, early 80s, actually for about 10 years. Oh wow! And so I taught his habits of seven, you know, habits of highly effective people. Yeah. And I added to it, added to it, added to it, and uh, to the point that it became a strategic part of influence, not just the circles of influence. I think he would like what I wrote today. He he's no longer around, but right. Uh, I think he would like what I did. So that's kind of why. Did you um uh, did you work with them? So you said publishing. So were you involved with them? So. Uh, <clears throat> Right out of college, I took a job with a, a commercial publishing company that uh, did lots of different types of books. I mean, children's books. Uh, they did uh, inspirational and motivational books. And I became a salesman and then a sales manager. 
then a director of sales, and then I became the VP of sales. And uh, so over those 10 years, I was involved in publishing a lot of uh, books. Uh, and um, I was also uh, involved in ed press, you know, so I became kind of a representative in the industry a little bit. And so it was, it was a good 10 years of my life, but I had other aspirations. But uh, I don't know if that answered your questions, but I, it was an enjoyable experience. Really enjoyed it. Yeah, no, I, the only reason I ask is because I used to, I used to, in a different life, I used to call on um, Franklin Planner. Oh, okay. Which, which As is, a client? They were a client? Yeah, they were a client back, back <laughs> in, so I used to fly in Salt Lake City and, and we were talking about skiing and I was, that's because when you said you brought up Alta, uh, I had I had actually skated skied with a couple guys from from Franklin. From Franklin. In, well, it, you know, you know the ahead. background of Franklin, right? I mean, Stephen Covey was separate. Right. He was by himself. When I knew him, when we worked together, he was not not associated with Franklin at all. Right. So Hiram Smith was the guy that started Franklin, yep. and a uh, great guy. But Stephen um, became an advisor to my company. He was first a professor, and then he became a, an advisor. And I'd read his books before that. And got to know him really well because I was in management. So he'd come to our retreats. We we got trained by him on a regular basis. Yep. But it wasn't until he got kind of famous. Oprah took him under took her took him under her wing, yep. and he became a, a Wall Street columnist. Columnist, I can't even say it. Uh, that he and Hiram started talking. I guess they decided to merge their companies. So, yeah. Uh, Is his uh, did his kids get involved? Didn't they? they well, they definitely did. Yes. Yeah, so, uh, so Stephen M. R. Covey. Yep. Uh, became the president at one point. I don't know how involved he is now, but he's, I think he's got his own thing now. But then Sean Covey was involved. Those are the yep. two guys I knew. Yep. And uh, I didn't know Steven as well as, uh, as Sean. Sean was a quarterback, really, you know, amazing yep. guy. Yep. And I, and I knew his wife, Sandra. So, I, you know, I got to know the older kids. Yeah. They were kind of my contemporaries. Well, so that's a great backdrop. And I, and I love that book. I've gotten it from, you know, for my kids, you know, uh, seven habits of effective teens and the whole thing, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's great stuff. Oh yeah. One of the original, that's one of the originals right there. Oh yeah. That's what 1989. I 1989. Yeah. That's what I got <laughs> back in my, I mean, it, it, it's a big deal. So that's, that's super cool that you're, you're, you have that influence and then you marry that with your sales experience. And so I'm assuming that's how it all kind of came together. Yeah, really, that was really the crux of it because I, because um, salespeople have to know how to navigate the waters of hierarchy within an organization. Mm -hmm. And I started out in commercial uh, publishing sales, then got into high tech, and high tech is much more complex. It's a it can be a very long sales cycle. I right. mean, if we wanted to have a podcast on sell, on complex selling, I could do that anytime because I, I I lived that for thirty plus years, and you know, I had over fifteen hundred salespeople that I, I managed and. And uh, Covey probably trained at half of those. Uh, Zig Ziglar trained at half of those. Yep. And uh, some amazing people. But you're, you're right. It was about uh, sales, business development, client acquisition. You know, how, do you, how, do you, how do you get through those realms uh, and get people to respect you? They'll want to uh, uh, champion something for you. You have to have respect and they have to trust you. Oh, yeah. We were just a I, young woman who works for us. We were just talking today about that. And and. And, and I really want to ask you, you know, I, I, I want to go through some of the book and, and some of that, but I also want to ask you about the current landscape, you know, and, okay. and because it's changed, you know, you, oh, yeah. whether it's from a sales perspective, right. And how you, how you develop that trust or even 
you know, a lot of the stuff that you talk about in the, in the book with a sphere of influence, even your uh, responsibility, you know, that kind of stuff, I, you know, that all has been impacted by, by this last couple of years. And I'd love to get your perspective on what you think some of the most dramatic change has been to all of that. Well, obviously remote uh, communication is, is probably the, the biggest part of it, right? I mean, I never right. had that as a salesperson, I never had to manage to jump on a Zoom session like this. It was, all, it was a phone call, it was a short phone call. And, and we were always taught, don't spend too much time on, this, on the call, you know, sell the sizzle, that's it. And then, you know, set up an appointment. That was your objective, number one. Right. Number two is, you know, is to just get the person to agree to some small task. And my, my task was always to say, help me map out what you're, accomplish, what you're trying to accomplish um, so we can help you see if our software can help uh, solve that problem. And then that person, I would try to find out their objectives. You know, how can I help solve that person's objectives so they can want me to be on their team? Right. That's really what I'm trying to do is become part of their team. Right. And then again, that person's going to help us navigate through that hierarchy. So important stuff. So I, I think today the landscape uh, is, I have to believe though that, um, that the old school way of relationships, which is my, which my, my book is all about, it's about relationships, mm -hmm. still is the most important aspect because we get into social media, social influencers. It's very superficial. And everybody I talk to feels the same way. They think that it helps to have high, uh, highly influential, you know, big ticket people to maybe be, you know, uh, represent the product at some point, but they're not going to be strategic to you. They're not going to help you open new doors except to get attention. Mm -hmm. And so I think, I, think you, I think there's an advantage to saying, okay, let's take the best of the best of both worlds. Number one, I want to have uh, a strategy that's, that's comprehensive. Uh, and you have, you know, print magazines and so still serves a purpose. And it's at the same time, you can have that magazine online so that people can refer to it. I, you know, I might read a book, but then I travel, I don't have it with me. It's nice to have it on a Kindle or on my computer or something so I can refer back to or on my, you know, my, my mobile phone. Yep. But I think that the key aspect is now I can create teams much faster than I could before. And I can bring us together more often than I could before. Before it was once a quarter, I'd bring my salespeople together with the professional service people, the customer service people, with the inside salespeople. We'd have a big group meeting. It was a quarterly thing. It was a big deal, cost a ton of money. And we'd have activities and, and we're trying to socialize so we could become a team. But hey, you, there was so much ineffective time during that, traveling to, traveling from, uh, you know, trying to get together. And today, you know, you could do that once a year and be just fine the thing we used to do quarterly and have these regular, you know, weekly calls even where it's for 30 minutes, you're in and out. There's no travel downtime. I think, I think there's a huge advantage to being able to use these, these tools we have today. So technology is huge. At the same time, we can't lose sight of the fact that that is not enough to develop a relationship. You still have to spend in person, you know, one-on-one -on -one time with a person, uh, make them feel like they can trust you, shake their hand. I, I really think you have to still, still do that. Yeah, I agree. I totally agree. It's funny because you you start the the book off talking, uh, you know, about um, a stranger in a new land. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and you know, when I read that, it is it's really compelling, right? I mean, you know, if you were dropped in a city and 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 had to figure figure your way, 
in a lot of ways, are we not, have we not just been dropped into a new kind yeah. of world and we're still trying to figure that out, right? We are. And, so, and, so, the, the, so, the, so what is it all about? It's about what do I have? What are the skill sets? What are my traits and what are my competencies that really matter to other people? And uh, we can figure out the communication. I don't care what that is. I mean, so we've got this thing we're being dropped into. I feel much more comfortable on Zoom today than I did two years ago. Yeah. And, and, and I feel comfortable bringing people together. The first time I did it, I go, wow, it's so strange. I, don't, I can't read their faces. I can't see their body language. I can't, right. you know, it's just a different way to manage uh, um, the communication. But, but I, think it's, I think it can be very effective. And I think that we can, uh, you know, work together, to develop relationships on a more and have more regular contact, but still, Hey, we still have to, we have to still have to know each other. So. We do. And I don't, you know, and, and how do you do that? I mean, that's, that's the biggest challenge I think is, is, yeah, is you said about, you said it before. I mean, the trust piece, like I said, we were talking about it here in the office and it, about trust and, and, it's, you know, we're so much more connected in this world, you know, physically connected in yeah, terms of the yeah. technology, yep. but boy, I think we're almost more disconnected because we don't have that intimacy. The zoom calls you're great. are great. I, yeah, I, I agree yeah. that they're, they, they do, um, they have some great advantage, but I'm, I'm really concerned that we're a little bit disconnected from knowing each other and being able to kind of get a little deeper. Do you feel that too? Well, yeah. So let me tell you a couple of things that have been interesting for me. So uh, I was one of the first um, adopters of LinkedIn back in the day when Reed Hoffman was running the company. He was a co-founder. I got a letter from him saying, thank you for joining, you know, being a subscriber member and one of the first 50,000 to do it. And at the time, I didn't have a perspective. I looked at it as, as a resume board. And I think that's actually how it was used in the beginning. Right. Um, today... It's a different world. I mean, I've in the last year and a half, two years, I have met I literally, uh, literally, you know, connected with thousands and thousands of people, but I've met hundreds and hundreds of people around the world. I would never have the opportunity to meet. And I've developed relationships with them to, a, to the degree that we'll do things for each other at the, you know, the drop of a request. Yeah. And uh, so that, that's the marvelous thing about this is that, I, I've, and I, and we, there's probably, I don't know, 15 or 20 people that have said, we all, we have to meet each other sometime. Right. And I'll host you just come over here. And I've been invited to the middle East, to England, you know, to Africa, uh, to Western Europe. I'm, and I, and I, you know, I'm, I haven't been able to go yet, but I'm, I'm planning to. Yeah. So, so, so how do we do this? I think we have to do it by saying, and this is, this is my philosophy. I think you have to be connecting with people every day of your life. Every day, make you know intentionally look for people that that fits your purpose, and hopefully they your yours would be theirs as well. And uh, don't worry too much about whether that's going to turn into anything significant. Just make the connections. Don't be too worried about the following. I mean, some people just want to have a million followers, and it doesn't mean anything except right. that they can say it. Right. I'm talking about connections. You connect it in some way. Right. So connect on a regular basis. And then as you get to know each other, you'll see there's a few, a handful right. that seem to mesh, that connect on a chemistry basis, chemistry level, and want to do more. And so you will set up a, a Zoom call. 
if that goes well, wow, if, you know, I met this guy that's going to help promote my book later this year. And we, our very first call, 30 minutes long, was a phone call. We felt like we'd known each other our whole lives. I said, how, how are we not knowing each other? We right. just feel like we, we, are, we just trust. I mean, yep. you, you know, uh, Stephen R. Markovi talks about the speed of trust. Yep. I, I absolutely believe you can expedite trust with some people. And other people, it's going to take years. But some people, you can do it within a matter of days. Even so, this one would seem like, you know, instantly. So I, I think it's it's the relationships um, are individually developed, and you can't ex- you can't know what's going to happen ahead of time. Some yeah. of the ones I wanted to turn into something never did. Others I never expected to turn into a relationship did. Right. And that trust level though comes when you. I'm sorry, I keep referring to my book, but there's one one section where I talk about the uh, the building blocks of a trusted partnership. Right. And what that means is that you start off by saying, okay, what is it? What does it mean? Well, we have to first of all have common goals. So we have to kind of be feeling like we're going the same direction. But the next level is more important than the first one. That is, how do we get there? If you don't agree with the way you want to get there, the same way I want to get there, they're going different directions to get to the same place. You want to go around different ways. We're not going to be together. Right. We're going to be on different ships. Right. And then once you get to that level, you say, well, are we comfortable communicating with each other? Like there was a woman that wanted to get involved in, a, in one of my groups because I've done a lot of networking groups uh, over the years. And uh, but she didn't want to communicate very often. I said, well, even Zoom? Well, maybe once in a while. I said, well, that's not the way a partnership works. Right. We have to have regular contact at least once a week if it's going to if it's something we're really working together on. Right. Okay. So if we get that down, then we have to say, well, do we like to be with each other? It just keeps going up until you get to the point where you say, I trust you, Mark. And uh, no matter what, you know, if, if we say something, I'm just going to let it go because I know you're going to do it. I don't have to worry about that. That's, yeah. And then you surround yourself with people like that. And when you go somewhere, you want them to go with you. Yeah. And the same thing, they want you to go, you know, so I think, I think it's an evolution. So. Yeah, I, I really love that. I think that it's important for what you said here. You know, you got to be connecting all the time. But you, but you got to do it more to just connect, right? It, that's it. So it's really interesting. If you can take what you just said yep. you, and you say, I start from a place of, of sincerity i suppose or i'm I'm just trying to connect just to connect there's not i'm not looking for anything out of it for me or you you know because that you know in the old days i walk in with my business card and if it says salesman on it you know well you know i am there yeah right and you start off in in some respects in this day and age when we're so informed I, i i um i just bought a new book um called marketing rebellion i think and and it and, and right off the bat it, it talked a little bit about um the fact that we've gone into cycles and there's a level of knowledge or you know there's almost a lack of trust off the bat right it, it, you know we don't want ads we don't we know what you're here for you know we're already skeptical and so in some respects the positive side of that is it's it's a great time to be very very authentic and just reach out. So I love the fact that there's, you're not like, Hey, I'm not going to be mass marketing, but I am going to be trying to connect every day. And some of it's not going to work. Some of it's not going to connect. And, and, you know, 
that's the other part. So that's the, that's the second part that I, I hear from you. And that is that too often, I think, you know, people are like, well, we got it. We got to, we got to connect, we got to sell. And it's almost a mass selling, if you will. And, and then you, I remember asking somebody who sold print, I said, who do you sell print to? And he says, uh, well, anybody who buys print. Yeah. But you don't mean anything to any of them. You're a commodity. Yeah. <laughs> right. You know, so you have to say no to some people. You have to kind of align. I mean, you can fire clients because they don't fit with you on some level. Right. And that's right. kind of what you were saying there, right? Is 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 you're looking for a little deeper connection. Well, so, you know, buzzwords, authentic, intentional. I mean, uh, all that means is that you, there has to be a fit. Right. I'm going to be intentional because I, I want to look for people that I don't want to waste my time with. Right. And so, you know, I do, I connect on LinkedIn. I, I do at least have some uh, general idea of the kind of person I want to uh, connect with. And, and, uh, and then I, then you can be more intentional by saying, okay, well, how do I narrow it down? I don't, I don't have the privilege of being able to manage thousands of contacts. Right. I'd have to have people working for me to help me do that. Right. And there are people like that. I'm, I'm interviewing David Meltzer tomorrow, for example, for a new edition of my book. Oh. And amazing guy, you know, if uh, you probably heard of David Meltzer. Oh, yeah. Uh, and um, I was connected to him through another person that I've known for almost 20 years who had a good experience with me. And he introduced us in an email and he says, David, you have to do this. It was a great experience for me. David responds, same day. Sounds good. <laughs> He didn't know uh, me from Adam. Yeah. You know, I mean, he hadn't read my, but it was book. the influence about me. Yeah. It was that. I mean, so that's what, it, that's how influence works It's a trust-based influence. You can go so much higher if you get the right kind of people in your life that open doors that you can never open yourself. Yeah. And, um, and then, you know, how far that goes, is up to you. You have to come in with value. So hopefully our interview tomorrow will provide David with enough value that he sees that he wants to get to know me better. Right. And then how do you continue that? How do you continue developing and fostering, nurturing that relationship so that it actually becomes something? There's a guy named uh, John Hewitt that I met five years ago, I think. Uh, he was the guy that uh, founded Jackson Hewitt Tax Preparation Centers. Yep. Sold five, six thousand, you know, offices, franchises. He also uh, founded uh, Liberty Tax. Now he's just founded another uh, tax preparation called ATAX. Anyway. He and I got introduced through someone, thought we should know each other, he invited me to a dinner. I thought I was going to a dinner one-on-one -on -one with, with John. That's what I thought in San Jose at this nice restaurant. So I show up and he wasn't there. There was, there was a big table with all these guys, you know, sitting around it. Um, I think there were some women too, but anyway, some people. They were all CEOs and, uh, and owners of businesses. And I go, hey, I'm, what are you doing here? Oh, I'm here to, to meet John. I said, oh, really? That's what I'm here for. I thought I was having a one-on-one -on -one with him. <laughs> so really? he brought in like 12 of us around a table. We all thought we we're going there for a one-on-one. -on -one. But anyway, I got to know him. He, he asked me to sit next to him. Uh, fabulous experience getting to know him and understanding why people like to follow him. He knows people everywhere he goes. And over the years, uh, we've become very close to the point where, you know, if he reaches out to me, I'll respond within the hour. He does the same for me. Sure. And I can get John Hewitt, you know, who sold two companies for almost a half billion dollars to respond to me, you know, same day always, but usually within, you know, an hour or two. Yeah. Uh, because I, somebody that he trusted introduced us and then it went well. Yeah. And our value exchange 
uh, became something worthwhile to him and obviously to me. And he's invited me to Las Vegas in July. I'm going to go meet him there in person. We're going to have, we're going to have uh, dinner together, whatever. So anyway, that's, that's the, the whole gist of my book yeah. relationships, but relationships of high quality where there's meaning and there's an exchange of value that makes something uh, for both sides. Really. Well, and you do that in the book is I, I was curious because that's one of my questions to you is that I thought stylistically what was cool about it was you used, you know, you wrote your chapter and then you had an example of someone that you've connected with and, and shared their story. And so well, what, yeah, how did that germinate? Yeah. Well, so, you know, initially I thought, Hey, I'm going to have one or two people. I'll put them on the front cover. Right. You know, they're, they're popular people. It'll help attract people in my book. And as I started doing that, I said, yeah, it's much, I'm going to try to, if there's any way I can do this, I'm going to try to match the interview, the, the, you know, the outcome of those interviews with a chapter. How do I find what was said in that interview and match it with something I was trying to teach in one of the chapters? Right. Imagine one night, I, another night I stood up, stayed up and, and, uh, and put these like a playing card deck on my, uh, on my desk and they just all matched up and they all seemed to just match a certain chapter. Right. Uh, which was really remarkable. So, um, I mean, it was a really good experience for me. When I interviewed each of these people, it was like an hour interview. Uh, I ended up with like 30, 30 to 40 pages of, depending on how fast we talk, of content, you know, dialogue between us. And I, I knew I, my publisher says, you have to narrow that down. I said, how far? Well, like five pages. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you don't know how much time. It took me more time to edit these darn interviews than it took to write my book. Oh, I know. I, I know. Yeah. Yeah, well, that was a great, a great experience getting to know them. And each one of these people were introduced to me by someone at some point. And uh, I only started off with, of the people on there, I think five I personally knew. The others were interviewed, were referred to me by people that were being interviewed that thought, hey, you, you need to talk to this person. Right. And it just, it just worked out. And I wanted to have six men, six women. So it was equal. It worked out good. Oh, it, it's, I, I love it because it's, um, you know, it's one thing to read something and go, yeah, I get, you know, I, I get that. And, but then it's to see it essentially in practice, right. In real life. So I think that was, that was really clever. Thanks for uh, saying that. I appreciate that. Yeah. And I, and I won't go through all the, all the, um, you know, the different steps, but there were some that, that stood out to me. And, and first of all, you, you use sphere. I don't know if sphere, is there something behind sphere? Yeah. Yeah. There is. Well, Stephen Covey, you know, was the one that made Circle of Influence right. uh, popular. Right. And, you know, and, and he had three circles. One was control, but you can't do anything about. One was um, the people you have influence on. The other was, were the, was the outside environment you had no control. Right. And, so, and I always liked the concept. I thought it was fabulous, but I always felt like it was two dimensional. Right. So a circle is on the ground. You can step into it. You can step out of it. This is what happens today. We're in business. We get involved. It's transactional. Maybe we'll get together again. Maybe we won't. But we don't ever think of the future. We think of the the transaction that's happening right now. Right. A sphere is is to me is three dimensional. It has volume. Uh, it encompasses, you know, all 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 around the, the, everything you're doing with this person. Right. So that's why I, I use sphere because I think it's much more dramatic. I think it has strategic uh, notions to it. I think it has the ability to, to be long-term and, and to be more encompassing. So yeah, yeah. You're right. Yeah. I love that. I love it. Well, 
um, like I said, I won't go into all, I mean, but you, you know, you talk about sphere of uh, relationships, sphere of leadership, you, you started it off. And I was curious because again, going back to the landscape we're in, you talked a lot about um, the self. I mean, you talk about responsibility uh, and then being self-reliant. And so I'm curious, it resonated with me because I, you know, I talked to my kids a lot about this. I mean, responsibility is one thing. Accountability is another thing, right? I can tell you, you're responsible for this, but if there's no accountability, right, there's, there's a disconnect. So can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah. So, so, so first of all, the book's laid out in, in the following manner. So I have a perspective section. It's part one. Mm-hmm. Talks about, you know, I'm going to count the costs up front. Uh, I'm going to have this, um, this attitude that no matter what happens, I'll survive a survival kind of mindset. Right. And then it goes to networking because I think you have to know that people have to be involved in your life. Right. So that's perspective. Now we got the vision. Now we can begin the journey, like you talked about at the beginning. And then so accepting personal responsibility, I think you have to have that number one, because if you don't accept the commitment, it's like um, um, they say, you know, the buck stops here. Um, if I'm going to blame you for things that happen to me or blame anyone for things that happen to me, I had this understanding and this teaching early in my career that said personal responsibility means I accept the conditions and the outcome of everything that happens to me. It's the hardest thing for anyone to accept, to, mm-hmm. to agree to. You mean if I'm on the road and, and a car hits me and I had no idea that car was coming from anywhere and I'm responsible? I said, no, you're not responsible. You're responsible for your reaction to it. Right. You're responsible for deciding how to move on, how to get something done, not just get stuck in the mud and, and, and just point the finger for the rest of your life because that person, you know, hits you. Right. I did. I was on a freeway in LA coming back from a, a, a deal one time and these cars were honking all around me. I don't tell this story very often, but this car was heading right toward me. And this guy was doubled over in the car. Apparently he had a heart attack or something and he hit my car. And so I, I hurried to, you know, get up out from, from, uh, from in, ahead of him. He came over, hit the median in the freeway. I got out, called 911. He was dead, did not survive, but, uh, you know, I didn't cause that and it disrupted my day. But of course I was concerned about the person that was in yeah. the car. So, you know, you can't, you, so you have to say, okay, I accept the conditions. I take responsibility for my reaction and I decide that I'm not going to let that affect my life because if you do, uh, so I was in Spain when I was serving as a missionary, when I was young, I took two years off to uh, serve and uh, just do nothing but help people. And I was at the street corner one time and there was this, we were waiting to go go across the crosswalk and there was a light and you know, the green light says you should walk across. Well, this, the light went green so we could walk and this car came racing through, which obviously he went through the red light, could have hit somebody. And the guy next to me, I didn't know, got so upset about it, he couldn't let it go. I mean, I saw him. He didn't, he didn't cross the road, first of all. He was, he was just really upset that that even happened. Stayed on the same street, side of the street and walked. And as far as I could see him, he was waving his arms, upset about this thing, could not let this thing go. Right. He didn't take responsibility for his reaction to that. Let it right. go. Move right. on. That's right. what that means. Well, and I, I mean, we're in a, don't you see a lot of that in the world right now? I, that people are, so I think you're talking a lot about 
independent will, right? That, you know, that unique gift that we can choose our response. And, and boy, oh boy, certainly feels like there's a lot of people who just, they're dwelling. I just, I mean, I, like I said, I just had a conversation this morning with someone and said, you know, you, you, everybody feels down everybody you know but but do something for someone else and i bet you i'll bet you 100 bucks you feel better and so there's a way to respond you know and and uh, but i think it's an epidemic right now (laughs) i think we got well especially with the pandemic right i mean because uh everybody wants to blame everything for what happened hey i had my business got shut down i understand and i wrote a book And it's actually opened lots of opportunities for me. It's really, really cool. So I've really enjoyed it. I've gotten advisory roles and things, but it's called victimization. You know, if you become the victim and you want to point the finger at everybody else for everything that happens to you, and you could, depends on your outlook. If you go searching for victim opportunities, you'll become a victim all the time. If you want to search for opportunities to help people, like you said, oh my gosh, it changes your whole perspective. I saw a video on LinkedIn today by Richard DePia who was this chairman of um, a global uh, goodwill society. I can't remember. It's found foundation. Okay. Affects people all over the world. And uh, this guy was walking down the street, saw this homeless guy and he stopped. He had a conscience, took his shoes off and gave them to the guy and walked away barefooted. Wow. There was no, no, I don't even know who was filming it. Obviously he wasn't trying to get anything from it. It was pretty amazing. Oh, that's and then the question was, would it, how many of you would do that? You know? So, right. Yeah, I, I, it's, you know, and it's, 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 a, it's our job, you know, like doing yeah. this, you yeah. know, writing your book, you know, put, but giving you a voice and a platform because you're sharing, uh, this is, this is, this is wisdom uh, in terms of h- how we should be moving forward. This is a, a weird time, but, but even though we're, it's on Zoom and we're, we're in technology, you talk about trust and connection, it's all about relationships. Well, yeah. And, and so maybe it's a little bit harder to develop that trust, but, but it's so critically important. You know, it's funny, you know, I I was kind of looking at it and I thought, you know, he talks a lot about responsibility and being self-reliant and creating a network network, but you actually, it's interesting because I think about your TOC that you had created and then you, you get to a point where you become an influencer right? So you, you're doing, there's a little self, a lot of self-reflection um, that has to go on before you can start developing this trust. And so, but, but tell me about that process. Again, we're, you know, just in, in the interest of time, not sure. going through them all, but I think yeah. that was interesting to me because you, you could see the evolution of it within your book. Well, so just, just quickly. So, I mean, going from, you know, um, this aspect of accountability, like we talked about, to developing relationships, becoming a leader, and then expanding that leadership, and then someday maybe becoming what I call a center of influence. Right. That's what you're talking about. So, so in my so in the book, there's one point I make, and, and a lot of people miss it, and that is that no one ever becomes an influencer by declaring that they're an influencer. Right. Some people try to. Right. Rich people start. I'm I'm, I'm famous. I'm a you know a great guy. Sorry, you, you can only become an influencer, a leader, a true leader, a thank leader by others telling you that you are inspirational, that you are 
moving, that you help me solve this problem and I want to follow you. They do it because they react something positive that you did that impacted their life. So, so, but I do have to say that once people start talking like that about you, there's responsibility. So you have to say, Ooh, I need to assume the role. Right. So people are calling me an influencer. People are calling me a leader. I've been given a job as a leader. You know, I better act like a leader. I better exemplify the things they expect from me. And, and you can ask me, what do you expect? What do you want from me? And that's that shared vision that I talk about in the book and the competency part. Well, I have this vision. I better make sure that we all share this vision or I'm not going to have anybody follow me. Right. So, so leadership and I, I really combine leadership, like a positive uh, influential leadership together because I think they, they go hand in hand. You, you can't be a leader without being influential. You can't be influential without people wanting to follow you. Right. And, and so, you know, it takes, it takes um, a crowd of, of people that will want to say, Hey, we think you do a good thing for people. We want to see you do more of it and we want to follow you and help you promote it, evangelize it for you. And, and it becomes viral at some point for some people. 100%. Well, and, and it emanates from you, you know, I mean, this is like, I could, I could get very philosophical in terms of what's missing in the world, but, you know, think about the things that you've said to me already. I mean, you know, whether it was going on a mission, you were saying, I help support, I help people, right. You, you, when you were talking about sales and, and um, your career, not just selling, but leading salespeople, when you were talking about your relationships with the clients, you were, you, you were saying how you were helping them solve problems. You know, that is, that is habits essentially that have been built up from your life and become your character, right? That's what I sense. And so obviously now you've put in a book, but that's the thing I, I, you know, you can't, I don't think you can bequeath a self-esteem to people. Um, I was telling, you know, I've told my kids this self-esteem is earned. You earn it by doing for others, right? You do it through hard work. It's the same with leadership, right? You yeah. just said is that you don't get, you know, obviously I'm a hockey junkie. And so we had a situation. <laughs> I remember once where um, they, you know, they say, okay, you have, you're the captain of the team or you're the assistant captain or whatever. And that doesn't just because they put the letter on there. doesn't mean that, you know, you, you've, you have to earn that and, and, and you earn it just through, I think some value-based stuff. Right. And so that's, that's, what's kind of flowing out of not only the book, but, but you, and um, I'm sure you're super proud of that. And you probably see it in your family and, and the people that you've managed over the course of time. But I do think it's, a, it's, it's missing in this world. Well, I mean, you, you said it so well, uh, Mark, I mean, if you want someone to follow you, like you, you know, be your evangelist. You want to build trust. You want to expedite trust, solve a problem for somebody that didn't ask for your help. Right. I sat, I sat down with this guy years ago. I'll just, I won't even bring his name up, but um, we were just getting to know each other. We scheduled a meeting to get to know each other. And during the process of that, doing that, I had an objective to help him to help build this business, you know, and he got to know me on a personal level. Um, discerned that I had a couple of personal challenges and just jumped in and helped me solve it. And, uh, oh my gosh, I had, I, I just wanted to, you know, have this guy be a friend for the rest of my life. Right. So, I mean, that, that issue about, uh, 
helping that you talked about at the beginning of our conversation, which I call solving problems. Yep. That's how you help people. 100%. And they'll run through a wall for you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and so that guy, you'll run through a wall for that guy. Yeah. I really, it's really true. It's, it's, really true. it's really cool. Um, um, talk about um, giving, I mean, that kind of dovetails into, I mean, as you wrapped it up, I mean, it's interesting, right? Because what we were just saying is, you know, you go through this introspection um, and you, you develop, become kind of a center of influence. You know, you have to kind of, you, it's cyclical. It's seen, it maybe the sphere or whatever, it's cyclical because you go back to, you know, you got to assess what drives you, you know, you're constantly doing that, but you also, at the end, you, you talk about giving back, right? Which that's, again, it's kind of cyclical, right? As you're giving back. So is that, so that's how it must've all come to you as you were saying, I'm going to lay this thing out and it, it, and, and it, and it kind of fit, right? Well, I mean, the giving back part was, I thought, I even thought about calling the book giving back. And then I thought, no, it needs to be about influence and giving back is actually the running theme of the book. Right. And most people, I've met a lot of people that, you know, they'll say in their career, oh, when I arrive, when I get to that point, I've got the money and I, I don't have the pressures anymore. I'm independent and I can do things for people. I'm going to do it. And then and people, some people do that. And I think they do a really good job at it. But what they don't realize is that there's opportunities along the way to do the same thing, just not with money. Right. Do it with your time, with your attention, with your interest, with your support. And anybody can be doing that and making a big difference. In fact, sometimes that attention to someone that needed attention can change that day and maybe start the beginning of something that changes their life. You never know. 100%. 100%. So, so I, and I chose a guy at the end named Larry Namer, who was introduced yeah. to me. Larry started ET television, you know, uh, amazing guy with a, a partner of his, Alan Marufka, I think his name was. Um, he spends every week on like a Zoom call uh, where people match him up with somebody he doesn't know. Could be a student, could be a business person. And he has no idea what he's going to be doing, but he finds out what they have as a problem and he helps them solve it every week. I thought it was so cool. So I said, oh, okay, that came out of the interview. He has to be the guy that follows my giving back uh, chapter. And it just worked out. So oh, yeah. that's, uh, yeah, that's really great. Yeah. I, you know, listen, I, I think that's as weird a time as it is. It's, it's, it's stuff like this. It's a book like this. It's people like you that have to, drive home this message right now. And because it's an opportunity where there's gray area and confusion, maybe a lot of insecurity and fear, there's great opportunity. And it's actually kind of going the opposite way, right? Everybody is so parochial for themselves. And yet it might be going the other way where enrichment will follow. You won't even realize it. And that's a lot what your message is. When you think about businesses, so a lot of the listeners of our podcast is, is um, you know, they're all small, mid-sized businesses, um, commercial printers, um, marketing service providers, agencies. So um, a combination of size, but entrepreneurial and, and, you know, and you're now doing, I'm assuming you're doing a bunch of consulting with different businesses. What's your advice to them as you, as you, as you look, you know, you're, you're talking about this in your book, but what's your advice to businesses like this right now? Well, I mean, some of the biggest problems people have is they don't know how to you know, create teams and they don't know how to create strategic relationships. And, and there's the influencers I talked about at the beginning 
where, you know, you pay the rock, you know, gobs of money to do an ad for you. You'd have to pay him a lot. The guy's, the guy's pretty amazing. You get on Instagram and he's, he just shows up, doesn't have to say a word and, and millions of people will like his thing. And other people working so hard to have significant messages get, you know, 10. Right. And, uh, so, I mean, I think people like that in the world do make a difference and they, they can, if, if especially if they, they care about what you're doing. But what's more important, what I think these companies don't realize is if they would take the time to map out some targets in the industry that they need to get to know of, industry leaders that have uh, influence in the industry that actually have understanding of what you do in your business and actually can help solve you uh, solve a problem for you and make introductions for you. If you can somehow get introduced to them, develop a relationship, strategic relationship, uh, where it's, it's long-term, you're going to have much more success with someone like that than paying somebody a lot of money that's going to do an ad for you. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think that, you know, it, it's, it's a time when people need to connect more deeply. You know, I really love this, uh, the mantra of connecting every day. Um, and I love the um, subtitle of that being, you know, don't worry about what it, it's for, if you will. And, and because you're throwing clay on the table, right? And who knows what will stick. Or, and and um, to me, that's not done enough. We all want it to be perfect. And, and I, I have told my son this, you know, I've said, you know, you need to go be creative, because I do think imagination is lost in this world right now. And, and, you know, we're married to these phones and we're looking at them and, um, yep. you know, you and I grew up and, and we ran around outside and, and we had to yeah. climb trees and we had to, we had to invent stuff. Right. Yeah, and so I, I crave that for the next generation. I crave yeah. their, their ability to re-engage with their imagination, but also to re-engage, truly re-engage with each other. Yeah. And, and that sounds like, you know, what, what's important to you. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that concept. I think that, um, you know, listen, I have children and, and, you know, we have good close relationships, but I think the, the key is, you know, how do you get them away from their devices? Uh, so they actually will do things. And, you know, COVID didn't help. Told no. us to stay in, indoors, told us to stay away from each other. It's like the worst thing that could happen, you know, really, but, you know, th- some good things came out of it. And I think uh, people have been, grateful for the opportunity to connect again. And I, I went to the movie last weekend, my wife and no mask. We still wipe it down just sure. because <laughs> I have to, I have to tell you something before it was popular. I used to wipe down everything. I've been traveling <laughs> in hotels, you know, for 30 years oh, and I've yeah. been going to hotels and I take, I take sanitary wipes. I wipe down the, the toilet. I'd wipe, I wipe everything down, you know, the sinks, the desk, the phone, the worst thing you can ever do is, pick up a remote in a hotel room that's, that a thousand people have touched and no matter, and not, not knowing what they've touched before. And, uh, and then I, it's the first thing I clean when I went to a hotel room anyway. So, <laughs> so yeah, I know there are some habits that are, are out, of, that out of this, believe it or not, yeah. there's silver linings to this time, you know? And I, so, I think there are, I'm sure I, there are. Absolutely. And one of them is that uh, I've gotten to meet you and, and uh, likewise, you know, I'm really, really excited about uh, continuing our conversations and, and, uh, and hopefully maybe we'll cross paths and I, you know, I got to get back out that way. I, I would love to. And, and um, love and, to Mark. I'd love to meet you in person. That'd be great. Yeah, we'll, yeah. we'll do a dinner of our own. 
and solve cool. the world's troubles. But right yeah, this is this is fantastic, and and uh, um, I really can't thank you enough. I really appreciate it. Well, guys, I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Gary Laney. I think you will agree that he is a pretty dynamic guy, pretty thoughtful guy. He's got the background in sales. He's got background in publishing. He's got background in high tech. And his relationships and connections with people like Stephen Covey drive home the fact that he is, in fact, a pretty big-time influencer himself. And his ideas remind us that it is about who knows us. It is about our network and relationships. And his ideas around personal responsibility and accountability and starting there resonated with me because I think you have to do that. There's a little bit of personal leadership that needs to be involved before you can kind of step out and start branching out and then become an influencer yourself. But that really is the key. And and we're starving for that. We're starving for the opportunity to connect with others and move others in the right way. I, I love the fact that he talked about connecting every day and doing it for the right reasons, not selfish, parochial, financial reasons, but to just simply go out and connect. And who knows what's born from that? And, and I love that. I think that's the kind of world that we want to live in. And I think it's in demand right now. So I really highly encourage you to get his book. I've read it. It's fantastic. The Power of Strategic Influence, 10 Success Factors of Highly Influential Leaders. Obviously, you can get it on Amazon.com. And I think it will be a powerful reminder on how to make a difference in your life. My thanks certainly to America's Print Show. I need to remind you that this show is going to be great. I'm really excited about it. 200,000 square feet of show floor and their commitment to the long term is what I love. Right? They they don't they're not worried about success in the short term. They're worried about building a community on a consistent level, bringing in people that care, that want to connect. A, a lot of what Gary was talking about is what they're offering. That's why I think it was the perfect connection in terms of sponsorship. So if you haven't signed up yet, I would do it. it it's it's americasprintshow.com. It's August 17th to the 19th in Columbus, Ohio. It's The weather's going to be great. There's, there's a, it's a fabulous venue. It's a really neat area. It's going to be sincere. It's not over the top. I think it's going to be done in a really safe and trust-building environment. So I just, uh, I think you got to do it. I think you got to jump on. I'll be there and I can't, I can't wait. So again, my thanks to, to all of them at americasprintshow.com and my thanks to all of you for listening. I really, really appreciate it and I wish you all the best. Remember, this is the latest episode of Brushstrokes, podcast powered by Canvas Magazine. Keep pushing forward. Have a wonderful summer and be the buffalo. Buffalo.